0: Good morning to all. Thank you for taking the time to join. Trust God would meet us this morning. Uh, The passage that uh, God laid on my heart was about a man called Eutychus. I don't know how many of us remember Eutychus. Uh, We read about him in uh, Acts chapter 20, where Paul is uh, in Troas speaking late at night. And uh, he is the guy who has the... uh, Distinction of going down in history as the one who fell asleep while Paul was preaching. Uh, and uh, he falls out of the window and he falls three floors down. And uh, I don't know, but I have a little bit of satisfaction that even Paul could put people to sleep. But uh, I pray that, you know, uh, that won't be our case this morning. And yet, uh, I don't know if you've given much thought to this man, uh, you know, who, whatever our context uh, what, whether we, wherever we work today, whether it's an office or a hospital or a bank or even in the church, how aware are we of younger people like Eutychus around us, right? Uh, so often, like the people probably in that room, we're kind of sort of, uh, we know they're there, but we're really not paying too much attention. We know they're sitting on the uh, edge uh, and yet, uh, just like him, uh you know, they're they're physically present, but mentally absent. And I remember once when, uh, you know, reading a slogan outside a bar in Singapore, which said that if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Uh, and for many younger folks, I think, uh, pardon the pun, that has an edgy feel to it. Uh, however, I believe the incident with Uticus raises the question of the responsibility for those of us who are slightly older or a bit more senior uh, towards those who are younger or junior to us in a system wherever we may be. I, as I look back on my own life, can recall many uh, contemporaries from earlier days, both at work and in the church, uh, juniors even at work, who just along the way fell off the grid. And uh, beyond blaming them for uh, dropping out, little or nothing was done I did very little, I have to admit, to bring them back or to prevent the next one from falling off uh, out of the window, uh, to speak figuratively. How often when a fresher leaves the job, uh, we put it down to it being a statistical fact of life, right? There'll always be that five or 10% that uh, will give up, that will fall out. Perhaps it just wasn't the right fit. Uh, Perhaps they didn't have the right mindset. And implicit in that is the stance that, you know, it was the new hire or the new joinee that was at fault, not me. And if they had simply had more sticking power, they would have made it. And that's probably quite true. And yet I believe uh, that those of us who have more experience uh, and hopefully with a high level of maturity should be the ones who are responsible and taking the steps to forestall them falling through as it were, the cracks. Obviously, this young man had been sitting there for some time. Did no one notice him sitting in the window? Were they so engrossed in listening to uh, Paul that no one saw him getting drowsy? Uh, or think of the potential consequences if he was to fall off the ledge? Or did they simply see him sleeping and you know just not want to wake him up? They didn't want to disturb him. And most of the time, people don't just drop out. You know, they don't. It doesn't happen in, in a sense, uh, quickly. They don't just drop out of relationships or organizations or even church. The process is gradual. Drowsiness creeps in. A perceived lack of interest slowly uh, creeps in. And if it's not addressed, it leads to more serious consequences. After all, just like this group that we're listening to, Paul and Troas. We have a room full of engaged folks or a company full of engaged folks. 90% are productive and in sync with the vision uh, and mission. So what if one or two on the fringe don't uh, seem to get it? What's the worst that can happen? I was in a meeting just uh, towards the end of last week uh, with someone from Radisson Hotel and they were saying how they have actually now uh, realized that this can be quantified this lack of interest and that lack of interest predicates a a drop in business uh, revenues three to six months down the road. So they measure the interest of their customer and the minute they see a drop in interest, they can be sure there's going to be a drop in revenue three to six months down the road. So it has its consequences. And as I draw that circle tighter, if I bring the ring closer to me, what about myself? What? How does that reflect on the meetings that I may lead? Uh, what am, When I'm holding a meeting, do I go on and on, unaware or unconcerned of those who have tuned out or about to tune out? Do we look at the room? Do we scan the room uh, to see if everyone's still engaged? I know that's a challenge today with Zoom. But is there eye contact? What is the body language of our listener? Is it one a posture of interest or or is it just disinterest? For those of us who speak or lead meetings, length is important. Attention spans of our listeners differ. And even the best speaker cannot hold the attention of their audience indefinitely. Are we cognizant of the different kinds of people in the audience when we're speaking or our sphere of influence? Are we aware of their attention or their lack of it? Do we tune our style of delivery to suit the format of the event and or or the listeners? My uh, good friend, Krish Dhanam, is a great example. and I know he's spoken to CBMC of how he can uh, relate to his different audiences. He takes the content and he can tune it so well and make sure that he engages with the audience. No one of us should question the value of effective communication skills. And yet very few of us are intentional about making an effort to improve our, uh, the latent talent or lack of talent that we may have. Perhaps the greatest orator of the 20th century was Sir Winston Churchill. And even today, prime ministers and presidents uh, seek to channel his style into their uh, speeches. And yet he suffered from a lisp his entire life. Authors writing in the 20s, 1920s and 1930s before sound recording became common mentioned that Churchill had a stutter, describing it as severe and agonizing. It took many years of hard work before he could finally state, my impediment is no hindrance. Paul himself denied being an effective speaker, writing to the Corinthians that he came in weakness with great fear and trembling. And in uh, turn, the Corinthians, when they talked about him, they dissed him as unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Yet history's perspective, both on the effectiveness of Paul and of Churchill's communication, is quite different. The need to hone our communication skills becomes even more important when it comes to communicating with those of a different generation, as Paul was to Eutychus. Their use of language is different from ours. Their frame of reference, their worldview sometimes can be worlds apart. And if you and I want to communicate with them, and I believe we have an obligation and a responsibility to communicate with them, the onus then must be on us. Those of you who, like me, are blessed with having you know, a teenager or a 20-year-old at home, that's a big help. But even if we don't, we need to be intentional about it. For those of us who are on the receiving end, in the audience, are we aware of those around us who might be nodding off? Perhaps the person next to us, sometimes, you know, at church, somebody suddenly starts snoring, you give them a gentle nudge. but uh, And that's all that's needed. And yet I've often noticed at meetings or even in lectures that uh, while the speaker is doing his best to communicate, Different ones in the audience have a harder time keeping up than some of the others. We all have subjects that we naturally warm to and some subjects that we find very difficult. Perhaps a word of an encouragement or an offer to go over the notes of the meeting may go a long way in helping with that engagement. As Paul exhorts the older, he says the older need to help the younger. And that's not just defined by age. It's also experience helping the inexperienced. I remember many years ago in the early days when I was at Lavasa heading into one of my first meetings with our chairman, and a kind colleague asked me what we were going to discuss. Uh, And after taking a look at my notes, she advised me to avoid the use of some phraseology that otherwise innocuous had the potential of setting him off. And I've always been grateful to her for that timely advice. It stood me in good stead for many years. Secondly, what about the time of the day? Definitely certain times of the day are more conducive than others. Some folks are morning people and some folks come alive at twilight. And while we may not always have the choice uh, to choose the time, are we sensitive to the hour? Do we prejudge a drowsy listener? For all we know, they may have just come off a night shift or a red-eye flight and are just uh, falling off out of sheer exhaustion. Perhaps your colleague across the room in the meeting has been up with a crying baby all night. Or as the meeting drags on, they're worried about uh, traffic picking up their child from daycare, getting dinner ready. Let's not jump to conclusions when people drop off. Thirdly, what about the candles? In Paul's day, the room would have been lit with candles increasing the carbon dioxide in the room for lighting purposes and with no air conditioning or fresh air intake, the carbon dioxide levels would rise and drowsiness would be a natural consequence. What are the candles that we have today that may be putting our audience to sleep, literally or figuratively? Coming from the hospitality industry, I have seen my fair share of poorly ventilated or illuminated restaurants in the guise of being romantic uh, restaurants. I have been a victim of it myself. I remember on more than one occasion, I've fainted in the restaurant purely because, you know, the candle at the table and the air conditioning wasn't very effective and combined with tiredness, you pass out. Uh, But thankfully today, there's been an increased uh, focus on the quality of the workspace, of recreational spaces. And most companies today, uh, global companies, insist on workplaces that at least meet minimum requirements. Uh, like the green building code. However, in times like today when COVID that becomes even more important uh, and a greater sense of urgency. There's a new standard today called the DLOS standard, which moves beyond just the environment to actually looking at factors that increase, uh, look at the health of the employee and the productivity of the employee. But then there are the figurative candles the various styles sometimes of our communication, things that to us are important, but actually are distractions uh, to others. For in many churches, I'm sure we can relate with that, the form of worship uh, sometimes can become a candle. Sadly, you know, we, a church chooses a style of worship and others may not, next generation may not relate to it or vice versa. And, uh, you know, we, people tend to drop out because of that and we lose them you know to other churches or even worse we may lose them to the world altogether elsewhere sometimes we persist in a style a liturgy a language you know a language that was familiar to our parents but the next generation doesn't relate to uh, and so we we see them leaving how can you and i be more aware of this scandal effect in our place of work or in our places of worship But then as we continue, as we look at this account of Eutychus, we see that uh, despite this room full of people, Eutychus still fell. Fortunately, we read that although when they rushed down, he's dead. The story does have a happy ending. It reads that Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him and he said, don't be alarmed. He said he's alive. What's our response when someone falls? Do we quickly write them off as dead? Or do we rush to their aid, as Paul did, and put our arms around them? As I introspect in my own life, there are many times when my attitude for non physical uh, failures has been that, you know, they brought it on themselves. Uh, let them hurt. Uh, they needed to learn a lesson. Yet when we look at Paul's response, there's no reproach whatsoever. Paul doesn't tell him, you know, why did you fall asleep? He handles him gently. And after all, he's just fallen down from three floors. No doubt there must have been, well, he was dead. So there were definitely injuries. And yet without any panic, uh, Paul picks him up and lifts him up. What gave Paul such composure? Perhaps the knowledge That the God that he served was and is equal to the task. And that's the same God that you and I uh, served this morning. Even if if today we're involved with issues of life and death, God's still equal to the task. And God has placed each one of us wherever he's placed us so that we can bring that life into the places uh, of death or hurt and perhaps today like paul says we have been placed where we are in a place so that we are an aroma redolent of life surrounded by death and decay all around us god has given us this opportunity and yet paul says but who's equal to such a task but like paul we have the same god that he had at his uh, source as his resource at our, as our resource and yet as we look at this uh, story of Eutychus, we see that sometimes what appears to be a big fall is not as serious as it looks. And the person escapes seemingly unscathed. Whereas on other occasions, while there are no visible injuries, the fall itself can, may be fatal. Are we able to discern the scale of the fall? Are we able to discern the location of the damage, uh, either to the individual or to the organization? or both. This calls for sensitivity and time, and perhaps like Paul, it means an interruption to what we were doing. Paul had to stop speaking, and he had to stop, and he had to go down. It's an interruption to what we're engaged with, what we think is our, you know, main focus. It's a detour for our plans. We read that this meeting was going on the third floor, and then continued after Eutychus was back with them though I guess he did not sit on the ledge again. Uh, And we read that they all went back up and then they had a breaking of bread and there was some more teaching. The order is important though, because first there was restoration. Paul picks him up, takes him up, restores him, brings him up and communion was quite literally restored. They had communion together. And then Paul goes on with his teaching. Paul made sure that the young man was okay yet without getting sidetracked from what he had been called primarily to do. In this case, teaching the word and establishing local fellowships. The passage when we read it in the New Living Translation goes on to say that they all went back upstairs, uh, which implies that they all had gone down uh, first to see what had happened, to check on Eutychus. Not just Paul and his immediate family, everyone went down to see what happened. Do we all go after someone who has fallen off or do we think it's not our responsibility? Uh, Let the family take care of it. Let the leadership take care of it. Are we thankful when we see them unhurt or do we not see it as our responsibility? Perhaps even worse, blame the person for falling or their family for not taking adequate care of them in the first place. Alternatively, we might absolve ourselves of responsibility uh, of the person and say it was Paul's responsibility because he went on and on. And therefore, uh, you know, the Eutychus fell asleep. Or the physical conditions, the lights, the candles, or the hour, whoever is in charge. And thereby take ourselves out of the equation. Lastly, as I bring this to a close, do we celebrate When the person concerned is back on their feet at work, at church, in our families, and their home, as it were, safely, literally or figuratively. This young man went home. Can we say the same for those who are younger, junior to us in our sphere of influence? Uh, If they fall, can they go home? Sometimes, sadly, that's the thing that's most difficult, right? Because even the home may not accept them. So many of us today struggle with that around or many of the issues at work and people around us uh, because actually the issues are there at home. Is your and my home our places, a place of welcome uh, to those who have slipped off the edge, a place where they may call home? And I would leave that as the challenge with us this morning. Pray that God would bless this word to us. Shall we pray? Uh, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would take this word, Lord, that uh, this story that is so many years old and yet so relevant to us this morning and pray, Lord, that you would bring it home to us, to our places of work, to our places of ministry, to whoever you have placed around us, Lord, that we would be sensitive to those who are on the edge this day and Lord, that we would reach out and catch them, Lord, as it were before they fall out. But even if there has been a fall, Lord, pray that you would give us a heart of sensitivity and gentleness to restore them and bring them back into communion with each other and with you. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.